Have you heard about the guys over at Chinook Seedery? They are the only sunflower seed company that is taking the time to connect with college athletes and trying to help them build their brand. They have eight flavors from mild to wild with way less salt and no sandpaper tone. So check them out today over at ChinookSeedery.com. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho. H to the O V. I used to move snowflakes by the Welcome everybody to the In Off the Bench Podcast. My name is Jim Cross. Daniel Ball is still out, but me and Randy are gonna keep it moving. Tonight is episode 29. Shot of that JD because we're gonna have on Ole Miss baseball pitcher Jack Goddard. And let's not waste any more time. Let's get right into it with the biggest interview in podcasting this week with our man, Jack Goddard. Our man Jack, how are we doing tonight? Doing well. How about y'all? Man, we are absolutely blessed. Uh, another great guest, get to talk baseball. So, you know, and you know, for Randy watching the Grizzlies right now, they're smoking the Lakers. So we're we're in good spirits around here, but we want to get your story tonight. But before we do that, man, we always break the ice, you know, find out a few things about you. And so First thing, man, what song right now is your favorite? Like, if you were to go to your playlist, put something on, what's what's the song that's hidden? Oh, uh, I'm going to go Simple Song by Chris Stapleton. Been listening to that one a lot. Randy, Randy speaking to you, man, with the Chris Stapleton. I love it, man. I was listening to him today on the ride home. Needed to get my mind right. There we go. So I got to ask you, you know, being that you're an Ole Miss guy and all the controversy – you know, swirling. Did you go to one of the Morgan Wallen concerts? I did. I went to the uh to the Sunday one. Oh, so there we go. Oh. I was hoping you'd tell me Saturday and you tell me you got the amazing experience. So Jack, are are you uh, I I know you gotta be heartbroken, but are you mad? You know, honestly, I thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> I mean, he got all those people in there and then last minute just dipped out of there. I mean, that takes some balls. Well, let me ask you this because when I left you know, I went to the LSU Ole Miss baseball game. When you left, or when I left there, like the the line and everything in the crowd, you guys. Like, so I know you had to like rush to get over there, right? Like by the time you got cleaned up and everything, like. Yeah, a couple of us guys like brought our clothes to the field and uh, and just were able to walk because it's a uh, it's not far, so we didn't have to go through any of that traffic. So it wasn't wasn't too much of a rush, but we had to get over there pretty quick. Yeah, trying to trying to get out of that traffic. Look, I was confused because I only know two ways home, and both ways were blocked by, right. by the cops. And I I had to stop and ask the cop. I was like, "Hey, man, I'm trying to get back to South Haven. Can you tell me?" And he was like, "Yeah, go here, 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 and here." I was like, "It was like Map Quest, like back in the day, yeah. like right writing down directions." So I was like, "All right, I'm just trying to get out of here." <laughs> but uh, yeah. So favorite baseball movie? Oh, um, I'll go Major League. Solid. It's Solid. a shame Daniel isn't here. That's his. That is his favorite. Yeah. All right. And it doesn't matter if it's growing up now, whenever. Who's your favorite athlete all time? Oh, all time. I'll go. Uh, you know, I'll go recent guy. I'll go Jacob Degrom. Solid. Not not bad. That's a couple of solid starts to it. So for Jack, that those that don't know, I mean, who wouldn't know? Where are you from, man? Uh, Carryville, Tennessee, right outside of Memphis. 
and then the, for those that don't know, that's where all the rich people live in Shelby County. So <laughs> no, just kidding. So look, let's talk about a family dynamics. I mean, mom, dad, brother, sister, you got siblings, man. Yeah. I got a one older brother. He's a, uh, 23 or 24 now uh went to university of alabama he's in wine sales now wine sales the catalina yeah. wine mixer he loves it <laughs> so listen man obviously growing up in the same area that jim and i and db grew up in the memphis area we know how early baseball kind of starts around here i got a four-year-old he's already playing t-ball um when did you start playing baseball yeah it's probably around the same age three or four just whenever my parents could get me out of the house let me tell you something, Jack. I got three kids. I got four kids, three of them playing ball, one of them in travel ball, one in coach pitch, one in T-ball. T-ball might be my absolute favorite because it's just a cluster. Like, there's no yeah. rhyme or reason. They're swinging. They're running. They're going to third. You're like, yeah, you know what? Just just roll. Yeah, well, there's not an expectation level either, man. You just want right. to have fun. Not yeah. for that little boy. He better hit that ball. But we were outside hitting off the tee earlier. <laughs> He done figured out though, Jack, that he he figured out he hit one on accident up in the air and it went kind of far for a four year old. So now he done figured out. He goes, I like that. I'm like, yeah, there we go. I said, hit dinger, son. So what at what age did you kind of start getting a little more serious playing travel ball? I was seven when I uh, tried out for the first travel ball team uh, age group up. Age group up. So obviously, you know, travel ball around here is a big deal. There's yeah. a lot of teams. So who was the first travel team you played for? Uh, first team was the Carville Dragons. The Carville Dragons. Man, yeah, it's can... a local team. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So speaking of Carville Dragons, where'd you go to high school? Carville High School. Keeping <laughs> it local. Absolutely, man. A lot of, uh, I got a lot of friends of mine that, that grew up in Carville and I always tell them like they're from there and they still live there. It seems that if you grew up there, you're born there, whatever it is, you don't leave. It's like they got a hold on, man. You yeah, stay there. I know a lot of people whose parents live there. Yeah, man. I t and, and they take it serious out there. It's a sense oh, of yeah. pride. So, listen, man, let's go through a little bit of accolades here. Three-year letter winner at Carville High School under head coach Jeff – is it Munier? Uh, Munier. Munier, see? Okay. Attended uh, some the same high school as Rebel Baseball greats. Obviously, Pomeranz, Zach Cozart, current teammate. And in off the bench guest, Grayson Sonier, the number 10 prospect, number five right-handed pitcher out of Tennessee. 2020 perfect game, all Southeast region, second team. 28, 2018 TBCA super sophomore. 2019 All-State selection. This is where we get into the meat and the potatoes. 7.71 ERA, 86 strikeouts, over 59 innings. So first question, talk to me about Collierville High School and the expectations of a, a, a history of historic program like that yeah uh it was it was run pretty similar to a uh a college program and like the way practice was run it was everything was scheduled there wasn't too much downtime to to do whatever but uh there was a high expectation especially coming in as like a fairly anticipated prospect through like my freshman year in middle school they they expected a lot and they uh they demanded that every day in practice yeah absolutely i was actually just watching Arlington versus Carville last week and I think they had just played like back-to-back -back days and I, we were watching the middle school game on the on the, the fields and the crowd was electric over there they were loud hooting and hollering and it turns out I asked a couple parents very I don't know bitter but that's definitely a rivalry right was it a rivalry when you were there uh I wouldn't say too much when I was there but I mean a little bit you always want to win those games yeah absolutely absolutely so listen I read off all those accolades did you feel like you met your expectations not only for yourself 
but you know, as as a team, you're over your time there. Uh probably not. I think everybody went into there expecting to win a state championship and we uh we never got there. I think we got to the semis my sophomore year, but we never never got it done. Well, speaking of your sophomore year, was that what was your favorite season? Was it that year? It was. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of uh seniors that year who were who were good dudes that I, I liked hanging out with. Absolutely. So obviously we talked about the greats that also had attended, you know, Collierville as well. And uh, that went to Ole Miss from your school. Does that have any effect on your decision and what college you picked? No, I, I wouldn't say it affected my decision, but it uh, it definitely affects the way I go about things because I don't want to. I don't want to be the one player from Garyville goes to Ole Miss that doesn't make it. So, got to work a little harder. No, yeah. Well, look, so far so good, right? So you you know you talked about if that wasn't the thing that affected your decision, why did you choose Ole Miss? Uh, if I'm being honest, I committed first offer. I uh, went to a camp. They offered me, I think, pitched on a Saturday. They offered me on Monday, and I committed Tuesday. Like, it was it was quick. I went on my visit, uh, fell in love with the coaching staff and the facilities, and and couldn't see myself anywhere else. Yeah, now that always seems to be a, a trend. I mean, a lot of guys feel that way. The The school that shows the first interest, um, and uh, they get rewarded for it. So, I see, I, you know, I see nothing wrong with it. If a school comes after you first um, – you know, that that's the rewards they get for coming after you. And and obviously, as Randy talked about, you know, it, it seems to be the right school for you. So let's, you know, let's get into it, man. Freshman season, you made 12 total appearances, including two starts, finished with a 5.4 ERA, two and two record with 36 strikeouts, seven walks. You began season as a red shirt, but emerged as one of the team's top bullpen arms. So let me ask you a question about that mentality, man. Like, you're probably one of the first guests that I think we've had that was going to be a red shirt, but then got thrown into the fire. So how does that go where, you know, coach is telling you, you know, just learn everything you can be a part of the team, this, that, and the other, and then, hey, man, kid, you're hitting the rubber. Yeah, uh, I had a really rough freshman fall. Like, uh, I mean, I got hit around bad. And uh, and it was just – it was a struggle every day to go out and throw in inner squads and, and face, like, Tim Elko, Kevin Graham, Jacob Gonzalez as a freshman. It was – it was tough and I kind of let that defeat me mentally. And so like coach B had a meeting with me exit meetings in the fall. And he was like, listen, I, I don't know what mold you're fitting into of like the pitchers we have here, but you got to figure something out. And uh, took that time, like in the spring when they were traveling and I was up at the facility by myself, working, throwing bullpens, videoing my mechanics, everything like that. And, uh, and then live at bats, I my stuff just started to tick up, got better and better. And uh and I all I wanted to do was get on that field. And when Coach B gave me a shot, it was just it was just time to run from there. Yeah, no doubt. And it, you know, it's kinda it's kinda cool, man. Like because I, I feel like, you know, probably what happened in the fall, even though it's in the back of your mind, it's like uh, you know, I don't know, it's like a new opportunity, right? Because you weren't expecting it and now here it is and you can put all that behind you and get a chance to to get a fresh start, even though it's, you know, in game and season, it's not inner squads anymore. Um, but, you know, one of the things I like seeing is uh, guests that we have come on. I've seen them prior to having them come on and it goes all the way back to your freshman season. Um, and in a huge game, I was just bringing it up as I was at LSU Ole Miss this past weekend talking about that game where y'all came back from nine to one. But, you know, everybody's going to talk about the runs that were put up, but they're not going to talk about, you know, things like what you did, Jack, man. 
you know, in order for a team to come back, y'all obviously got to stop the bleeding. And for you, man, you held it down with three and a third while your team mounted the comeback. What's it like, uh, you know, stopping a red hot offense that helped created your offense to, you know, be able to complete that comeback? Yeah, uh, I remember that that was my first SEC outing. So, I mean, I, I was just nervous running in there. Like, first time I'm facing, like, a real opponent that's not my team. It's not a midweek game. Like, I'm I'm facing some dudes. And I, I just remember being being excited to be out there and uh, didn't really think too much about putting up zeros. I just kind of took some time to, to take in the moment and uh, just kind of pitch like myself. I didn't want to put too much pressure on it because I was already nervous. So, it, but it was a lot of fun. It, does it take some pressure off that it's 9-1, right? Like you feel loose, like nobody's going to blame you for this game, right? Yeah, it was uh, especially nice without the 10-run rule. <laughs> no, no doubt. So like, so I know what it was like as an LSU fan, and Randy will tell you, I said I appreciated like watching the comeback as a baseball fan, and the student section was still thick in there. And so the, the showers on Alderman's walk-off were, were legit. And so I, I said, as a fan, I like, I hate it. Like as an LSU fan, but as a baseball fan, I said, I loved it, man. Seeing a team, like the resiliency to come back from nine one and then the showers on a walk-off, like that, that's what Swayze's all about. Yeah. It was unbelievable. So, you know, man, continuing with that year, you, I mean, you get amazing opportunities talking about the way you did. Like, I didn't know that you had that bad fall, you know, that's obviously not something that's scripted in there and you, and you see what you continue to do. So you allowed one earned run in three innings to earn your second career win in the Oxford regional against Southeast Missouri. Talk to me about what it was like to pitch in front of that crowd, man, in the regional at Swayze. Cause I mean, I see Swayze on a regular basis. I haven't been there for a postseason game. So talk to me about it. Yeah, I mean, it looks like a different ballpark. It's it's unbelievable. There's not a there's not a chair back that's not filled, and those fans are going crazy. So to pitch in that opener after Derek uh, was was super cool. I mean, that place was was so loud after Tim hit a grand slam in like the second or third inning. That place erupted, and it didn't stop till the end of the game. He's getting a statue for a reason. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm unbelievable. Yeah, but, you know, while we talk about the hitters on those teams, man, uh, you got to learn uh, a couple of the guys that are guests on the show. Uh, you got to learn from guys like uh, Doug and Gunner and Taylor. Um, Doug and Taylor have both been on the show multiple times. But, man, talk to me about, as a freshman, getting to learn from, you know, dudes like that. Yeah, I mean, I'd say those two people played the biggest role in me, like turn it around after my, my bad fall my freshman year. Uh, I got to talk to Doug a lot in the outfield and – uh just kind of pick his brain like he was he was so smart about pitching and kind of had his mentality down and was able to articulate that so when I kind of figured that out I just I wouldn't leave his side I'm sure it was a little annoying but I like I asked him so many questions tried to figure it out and then Taylor uh was actually big for me fixing up my mechanics a little bit like I would sit there and watch videos of him pitching and ask him cues he had and just those two guys were were monumental and me kind of turning around that season. Man, I asked, I text Taylor the other day and asked if I'll get to write his book if he makes it to the show. My man's in AAA. He came on here and said he didn't have one single college offer. Already had moved into Texas State for academics and then ends up going to Tyler College because his dad tells him to try out. And now the guy's in AAA. Taylor Broadway's a story within itself. Yeah, it's unbelievable. But uh, so moving to sophomore year, obviously we know how that year ended. No need to talk about it. Obviously, let's get let's get to the good season where where it ends well. So you know, 
sophomore year, appeared in 17 games, making four starts and 13 relief appearances. Finished fourth on the team in strikeouts with 61, posted a record of four and three with a 4.91 ERA, 61 strikeouts over 44 innings of work. Let's cut right to it, man. When I looked at this, you know, when we talk about don't let the Rebs get hot, you went five consecutive outings from May 6th to June 22nd where you did not allow a run. That is, I mean. Is that good? Yeah. (laughs) When when you're talking about SEC play, when you're talking about postseason play, to go uh, a whole month, you know, and some and pitch the games that you did and not allow a run. Talk to me about getting in that groove and, and, you know, just being able to every time you tow the rubber have that kind of confidence because, I mean, I know you had to be feeling like, you know, not invincible, so to speak, but, man, like, I mean, you got your stuff. Yeah, I mean, when at that point in the season when we started to turn things around, I think everybody felt a little invincible, like just playing with so much confidence. But uh, I think the biggest part in me not giving up a run was Mason Nichols. Uh, He came in, I think, probably three of those outings when I had like bases loaded and one out and punched out two guys and saved all those runs. So I, I will not talk about that without giving him credit. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, I mean, that, that was the whole thing. The whole, the whole team came together and he he was definitely clutch. I know exactly the outings you were talking about. And I watched him going all the way back to high school. I knew, I knew y'all were getting a stud when I watched him at Jackson. Yeah. Prep. Um, So, you know, when you were when you were pitching and having success, you know, what do you feel like was, you know, one of my favorite things is breaking down a pitcher. What was like your pitch that you just felt like was working the best for you through that, that span? I mean, through and through, it's always been my fastball. I, I, I rely on that more than anything. Yeah, no doubt. Locating it, putting, putting it right where yeah. you want it, owning the batter, no doubt. So you have a win against Arizona at Coral Gables, a save against Southern Miss in Hattiesburg, two scoreless against Arkansas and Omaha, and then earned the win with five innings and six strikeouts in game one of the College World Series finals against Oklahoma. You know, it's one thing to be a national champion, but it's another thing to be an intricate part of everything that took place. So I got two questions. You know, you know, what was it like being a part of that group of guys that came together uh, when everybody doubted y'all, first of all? Yeah, I mean that that was the coolest part was uh was kind of being able to prove everyone wrong. I mean that whole year, all we heard about was how we were the number one ranked team and then blew it. Like we weren't amounting to anything. The whole fire coach B stuff, we were we just all hated it. We we couldn't stand to hear that because we all respected Coach B and knew how knew how good he was at at coaching and leading us. And so to be able to like all come together and just start playing our best baseball was was one of the coolest experiences of my life. Yeah, so the second part of that question is, and, and I like to ask a lot of your your teammates from that team, has has the feeling worn off? I know you're in a new season. Like some of the guys I've talked to, we've had on here, they're, you know, they're in the minors now. Some of them still at Ole Miss like you, you know. But has that feeling wore off yet? I mean, because, I mean, it's still less than a year from when you ho- hoisted that trophy. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely worn off in a sense that, like, you got to get back to work. Like, you can't hold on to that forever you're not going to get anywhere but uh I mean it's still cool to to sit back and like if you see your ring lying around or like see an old picture like it's cool to reminisce still wait 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 wait. you just got like the ring just like laying around yeah man I'd have that thing like in a treasure chest I'd be flexing it you know Jack I'm glad we brought that up Randy you know Daniel Daniel and me have had a soapbox for a while now 
when my son got his first ring for winning a rec championship in baseball, mm. it it bugged me so bad. And and the reason is is because what the very foundation of what we're talking about, Jack. You see these kids, these parents are posting pictures, and I'm I'm not trying to take away. And if I stir up the listeners, so be it. But like you can win a ring now on a weekend tournament or in a rec league. Rings are supposed to be when you bring it home, state championships, national right. championships. Like, and so now these kids run around with as much bling as Tom Brady. Man, right. my daughter has a, a lot of rings, but one of them, that championship, that was for a state, though. Yeah. And, and those are usually what it always was, right, Randy? It was like, you know, it, m- most guys we knew that had those. I mean, that was the ultimate flex. I don't know because I never, I never got one. We didn't, <laughs> I got a ribbon. <laughs> hey, I love those ribbons, baby. Seventh place. Let's go. Let's go. So, you know, how hard is it, man, coming into this season? You know, you you talked about – we talked about the guys from your freshman year, but then sophomore year, man, the list is so thick. I'm not even going to run through it. But, you know, obviously starting off the top with Randy talking about Elko. But, man, so many guys leave. Just how hard is it for you, like, when you've built that chemistry to be able to move on to the next season? We talk about moving on from a championship, but moving on from a locker room that just had – veteran leadership everywhere yeah honestly it's uh it was a lot easier than you'd think because I mean I had the same same thing I was like man we're bringing in a lot of new faces we're gonna we're gonna have to show them the reins kind of rebuild what we had last year and and credit to the new guys they've they've come in and picked up right where everybody left off I mean I think our locker room's the best it's been since I've been here and we're always in there hanging out people don't want to leave the field like just a really tight-knit group of guys yeah, man, that's that's what's up, and that's what we love to hear. So this season, obviously, it's been up and down for you, Jack. Man, you know you you're two and three. You got a save in there, um, but you got thrown a curveball, man. It seems you know going all the way back to your freshman season, you went from red shirt to you know next thing you know you're in the fire. You went from getting a save opening weekend and and probably going to be the closing guy to Hunter Elliott getting hurt, and next thing you know you're the Friday night guy. So. Like, you know, what's that like that mindset like being all of a sudden, you know, you're the Friday night guy? Like, obviously, you've pitched in the biggest of stages and the biggest of moments. And so that's not anything for you, but it wasn't something that you necessarily had planned for. So, like, did it throw you at all that all of a sudden, hey, man, I'm the Friday night guy going in the second weekend? Uh, I would say the biggest adjustment was was more physical than mental. I mean, I had been kind of thinking I'm a bullpen guy like go out there throw as hard as I can until I run out of gas and then to go out there and be told I'm starting it's it's more of a like you got to make pitches it's right to get early contact you're not going for strikeouts all the time it's uh it was more more physical than it was mental but I mean it, it was it wasn't too bad yeah, and, and that's a common thing that we get told on here. The the physical difference is, is, you know, for me and Randy, we always thought it was a psychological thing coming from a starter to a closer or vice versa. But, yeah, it's always talked about the physical because, like you said, you can't just go out there. you got to go for one or two innings. You can just go max balls to the wall, right? But you can't do that. You're going out there on Friday night. Unless you're Kevin Copps, right, Randy? It's for big <laughs> facts. That guy was a machine. Rubber <laughs> on. It was unreal. So – you know, the Rebels are currently down right now, but y'all been here before, man. Y'all were just there last year. So, you know, a lot of talent on this team. You know, what do y'all got to do starting this weekend with Georgia, man, to get the ship going in the right direction? I mean, honestly, it's it's feels like it's all starting to click. Like, uh, like we've been pitching it well some games, and then we'll swing it well other games. It's not like one facet of the game is just bringing us down. So, But that's how it felt last year. It was like we'd lose a weekend, we'd win Friday – 
one nothing, and then we'd lose the next two. But it was we could never really put it together, and that's kind of how it feels this year. Like we're not playing that bad of baseball. It's just nothing's clicking right now. Like we're not doing everything at the same time. But I think if we can start to do that and go on a run, good things can happen. Yeah, absolutely. Don't let the ribs get hot. Yeah. There you go. And so with that, man, I'll let Randy play a game, but want to wish you best of luck, you know, the rest of the way. And, you know, for those that are doubting y'all, man, uh, stay tuned because the Rebs have done this before. I appreciate it. Yeah, before we get into that, tell you something you talked about, everything clicking. It's just that, like, it's so damn hard in the SEC, Jack. I mean, it's like you're not – there's no nights off. Right. Yeah. No doubt, but that's that's the thing. If you're talented enough and things click, you, you can beat anybody. Well, Randy, you can relate right now. To, you know, going back to last year, they they clicked. Remember, I was in Baton Rouge when they decided to just kick kick our tail. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Tennessee just did that with Vandy. Randy's a Tennessee fan, and you know as well as I do, that could be the turning point for y'all, Randy. Y'all could turn it yeah. around off of that. It's so crazy you think about it, Jack. Obviously, you you play this, right? You know, Tennessee goes in their last strike, ties the game against Vandy, and then for the next two days just – beats the brakes off of them. So yeah. sometimes it just takes a moment. You guys experienced right. it, went on the run of your lives. Even the year before that, Mississippi State kind of had that same feeling. They were kind of – they were okay doing a little thing, and then just – you just got to get in, right? All this right. top seed and hosting and all that other garbage, I'm not worried no about more. all that no more. Right. Be the last team in, Jack. That's <laughs> Look, all you got to that, That's my favorite part, Jack. We do our rankings, and everybody says I'm biased because they got LSU at one. I'm like, I don't even want number one. Just I, As long as it's a top eight national seed, we can host. I don't care nothing about that number one ranking. As a matter of fact, yeah, it's I mean, a curse just, anyway. You just got to be the last team in. Takes all the that's pressure it. off. That's it. That's it. So, listen, Jack, before we get you out of here, we're going to play a little game. The game is called This or That. The only rules are you can't say neither, and you can't say both, man. You down? All right. All right, we're going to, you know, start you off with a little easy one. Would you rather have the ability to teleport or have a time machine? I'm going to go teleport. Where would you teleport to, Jack? Wherever I wanted. Yeah, like, I mean, not a lot. As a, I mean, I guess, you know, for all the people that were leaving Morgan Wallen and that they didn't live on campus, they would have liked to teleport back to there the crib. It's convenient. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, you can only pick one mode of transportation. Are you picking a donkey or a giraffe? I'm going to go giraffe for sure. Better views. I think, I think so too. But like, how do you get on the giraffe? I mean, if if that's the only thing I got, I'll find a way. Ladder. Right. I don't know. A ladder or like, you know, at the zoo, they got like the little thing that you can stand up. You know, maybe I got to get on that. But I like his answer in the fact that a lot of people say because it looks cool. He said for the views. And and that's really actually when you think about it, because you're up high on the giraffe, you can see everything. Yeah. There you go. Oh, well, that's true. Okay. All right. So the next one is, uh, let's see, throw harder. What does that say? Throw harder than any pitcher in baseball. Throw harder than any pitcher in baseball or have the ability to fly. Ooh. You know, I'm going to go ability to fly. Yeah. Because, I mean, you, you like can throw it. hard and be a bad pitcher, but nobody can fly. Hey, hey I just threw Randy a curveball. See, that question is never framed like that. It's either be the strongest person in the world or be the fastest person in the world. Since we had a pitcher on the night, I decided to to flip it and throw the hardest. And that's why he, he went yeah, to look at it. I was, like, I, was, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. A little, so he still said fly. I've tried to change it, Randy. Everybody still wants to fly. This question is going to have to be removed. I'm, yeah. I'm picking flying, too. Yeah. No doubt. All right. Would you rather be trapped in a romantic comedy movie with your enemies or a horror movie with your best friends? 
I'm going to go horror movie with my best friends. Right. You got to be with the homies, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be with my enemies. Right. All right. If you can only pick one, but we're talking any concert or any sporting event, which one are you choosing? I'm going to a Chris Stapleton concert for sure. Well, all right. Do you have a, a location where you'd want to see him play? Guys, I think I think there's a right answer here. I think Red Rocks, Chris Stapleton, my God. Yeah. That's bucket list stuff, man. Yeah. If, if he ever plays it, I'm sure he has. But if he plays at Red Rocks again and it's like we got your off season, I'll meet you there, Jack. I got yeah. you, man. But we on go. a real Chris Stapleton yeah. kick. Don't be don't be making no promises you can't keep, Randy. I, I no, I'll go there. I'd rather I I would rather you see wouldn't if your daughter had a weekend tournament, bro. Don't even I don't like even her. I don't even like her. I don't even like her. <laughs> so all right, all right. Better bombs, in your opinion, Tim Elko or Kemp Alderman? It's a tough one. Oh, that's tough. You know, better bombs. I'm going to go Kemp. That, that dude's got crazy juice. Crazy juice. I mean, one's getting a statue. I mean, can Kemp have something? I mean, you know, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, he had no problem laying them on LSU this past weekend, even though it didn't go well for Ole Miss overall. Kemp didn't have any problems with us. I mean, that dude can swing it. That's no doubt about that. All right, man, would you rather get attacked by a grizzly bear or get attacked by a tiger? And you're going to die either way. (laughs) Then I'm going to go grizzly bear. I think it'd be quicker. You know, I got the opposite. I don't know why I think this, but I think, uh, you know, maybe I've thought about this too much because we've asked this question a lot. I think a tiger might kill me quicker, and I might not even see it coming. A grizzly bear is going to, like, roar at you and all that other stuff, you know, and, and I think a tiger is just going to roll up, pow, pow, I'm done. No, I'm I'm going to disagree there. I think a grizzly bear is going, going to town. You think it's just happening, but would you see it? I don't want to see it coming, Jack. I don't want to see it coming, man. Just take me in my sleep. That's all I ask for. Fair. <laughs> Fair. All right, man, last question before we get you out of here. This is a staple question. Would you rather betray your best friend, talking about your homie, or go to jail for five years for a crime you did not commit? I'm going to jail. Yeah, see, Jack, I'm not. You know, Jim here, my homie, we've been friends since, like, we was 12 years old. But if I got a choice to rat his ass out or go to jail, holla at your boy. And vice versa, man. This is It's a, it's a mutual feeling. I'm not doing any jail time. You – you're telling me you're going to do five years hard time as opposed to cut your boy loose. See, Jack's younger, man. I don't have that kind of time left, man. I'm about to be 40, dog. <laughs> I ain't got that kind of time yeah. left. But, I mean, you get out of jail, and who are you going to talk to? New homies. New homies. Uh, not like not, the old ones. Not the ones I met in jail. That's a fact. But you are off the hot seat with that man, Jack. Is there anything you want to plug or promote, whether it's for yourself or your team or anything else in between? No, I'm I'm all good. All right. Well, if y'all want to see what Jack is up to on, you know, a Wednesday night, he might be doing a podcast with In Off the Bench. You can find him on IG at Jack underscore Dottery2. Or if you want to see what the Rebels are doing on the diamond, check them out at Ole Miss BSB. Jack, man, it's been a pleasure. If there's anything we can do for you in the future, man, just let us know. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. All right, that's our boy, J.D. We're going to take a break. We'll let the sponsors do their thing, and then we're going to talk headlines. Do you like having posters and supporting your favorite athletes? Well, the Athletic Collection gives you a chance to do that with the best posters in the game. They have many different teams with many different sports. 
myself as an LSU fan, I just got myself LSU baseball, LSU gymnastics, and LSU soccer posters to put up in the man cave. So get your posters today at the Athletic Collection, which you can find on Instagram and Twitter. Welcome back, everybody. We're going to get into some headlines. Let's start, Randy, man, with your team, Tennessee. Huge weekend, and I know you really want to lay it to some people. So, man, the floor is yours, man. Talk to me about Tennessee, Vandy. Yeah, so obviously, you know, I got the chance to take my two daughters, Stella and Lila, up there. We didn't get to go Friday night. So let's talk about Friday night first. You know, it looked like for eight innings, it was the same old thing. We got some good pitching, could not get timely hitting. Kavar's Tears comes up and hits an absolute rocket off the batter's eye, 414 feet to center field uh, that gets him down three. Then we got our Hunter Inslee, Dylan Dryling, all these guys making plays. Griffin Merritt, in off the bench guest Griffin Merritt, hits a walk-off home run to win the game and, and for a guy that really needed it. We know the talent Griffin has. We know the character that Griffin has. So for him to have that moment, what really meant a lot, not only to him, the team, obviously to us. We root for your kids like that. And then Saturday, you know, me and the girls walk in. Look, Vanderbilt starts off with a home run, Jim. I was like, oh, man, it's 1-0. And then get two outs in the bottom of the first, and the floodgates opened up, and Tennessee put it to them. Nine runs in that inning, and just 17-1. to Run rule, right? We get out of there. It's, it's whooping time. And I'm going to talk about game three, then I'm going to go back to what you just talked about. So, look, obviously, Chase Dolander, I talked to him after the game. He said, look, it wasn't a matter of if, it was a matter of when, when he pitched well. We've seen him. We saw him in Baton Rouge. He didn't pitch bad, but you and I both talked about it. Maybe put up five the scoreless at the, at, yeah, to start that game. It just wasn't what we're used to, right? The guy goes 11-0, and dominant last year, and he's just struggling. So for a guy like that to struggle a little bit just felt out of character for him. Uh, so – he was absolutely phenomenal in that game. Goes complete game. It's only seven innings because we run rolled them fools. And then Sunday, our boy Drew Beam got a chance to obviously spend some more time with the Beam family, and Carly Beam was there. Drew was wearing some custom Nikes for his sister, Carly Beam. Obviously, we've told that story on here. We've told it on social media. Just a pleasure to be there. Drew Beam looked fantastic. They get another big dub on Sunday, 10-5. to 5. The freshmen were the story for me on top of the pitching. People say, like, the pitching hasn't been very good for Tennessee, but then if you look on the stats, you and I know this, they're still in the top three in the country in ERA, the bullpen ERA, top two in the country. The pitching is there. They have to get timely hitting. But what you brought up, this will be the last thing I say on this, there is a podcast called The Door Report. And Door Report, I'm coming at you. So you want to put out a little thing today and said this was the perfect storm for Tennessee because of the Cracker Jack Park they play in. Well, Jim, I'm going to read off a couple numbers to you, right? So Griffin Merritt, he hits one 375 to right center to walk off on them boys. I already told you Kavar's Tears hit one 414. Maui Ahuna, he gets a three-run home run. That's 400. Blake Burt gets one. It's 390. Uh, Hunter Inslee, 373. Hunter Inslee again, 379. Jim. All of those numbers would have been out in Hawkins Field. And if you're not aware, Hawkins Field, I know you are, that's where Vanderbilt plays. Here is what won the game. The fact of the matter is Tennessee owns Vanderbilt in baseball. Tony Patello is 10-6 and six against Vanderbilt. They've won seven in a row, several run rules. By the way, last year, door report, they were at Hawkins, swept them boys, bat stickers, check them out, don't matter. We <laughs> out here. Play Jen Hoover, smoked you there too. You talked about we're built to play in Hoover, a big field. We're built to play in Omaha. Let me tell you something, door report. 
You weren't built to play in Hoover last year when you got smoked by Tennessee again. And I'm going to read this one last stat. What really won the game on top of the pitching, situational hitting all year long. So this was just Saturday. The Vols were 8 for 14 with two outs, Jim. 8 for 15 with runners on base. 6 for 12 with runners in scoring positions. 2 for 3 with a runner on third, less than two outs. 17 for 24 in advancement opportunities. That is winning baseball. They hit behind the runners. It was just a clinic, an absolute clinic put on, and I would be remiss if I did not bring this up. The pitcher of the week got a chance to talk to him. You and I know he's a guest of the show, Chase Burns. My goodness. The guy comes in, like, just he comes in the game Friday night. I think he pitched five innings. They couldn't even come close to touching this dude's ball. Comes in, shuts it down on Sunday when things got a little dicey. Talk to him after the game. The guy is now the best bullpen arm in the country. And I don't think that I'm being uh, biased when I say that because he saw the talent. My goodness, Jim, that guy was so impressive. Yeah, and that was the goal down the stretch last year once they had got Blade Tidwell back in, I think, with the rotation they got now. Um, and he's got even more experience. This this is what we've been waiting on. You know, people have said, and, and you know, I've gotten grouped together with you, even as a not a Tennessee fan. But it's because we know how dominant this pitching staff is, and it was all about when they turned a corner. And, you know, it's just, you know, what do you say? You got seven in a row? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just seven in a row. You know, obviously, you know, haven't just won a million games and and dominate everybody, but seven games in in great fashion, the one being the close one with the the walk-off, but – they're, they've turned that corner, and this is what we told people to worry about. So now you're getting that timely hitting, like you're saying. The defense has gotten better, and now your pitching is not – because, like you said, it never was bad, but it's gotten to right. be dominant the way it is. And so that's why everybody should fear Tennessee. You know, if they don't end up being a regional host, like if they don't push it hard and get that, they're the, if you're a team that draws them, you, bet, you better be real freaking nervous. I think that you're right. And another thing that that when Andrew Lindsay deserves all the credit in the world, the guy gets thrown in as the game one starter. And even at Arkansas, he really pitched really well. I think he went five and two thirds this last weekend against Vanderbilt. They're down when he goes out, but he pitched really well. So for him to step in and, you know, just getting a chance to, and you, you know, you do this a lot more than I do, but just being around those guys and their families after the game, it was almost like, this is what it should have been talking to Blake Burke. It was like, you know, he put it on Instagram. It was, you know, what Gino said. And for those that don't know, Gino said, they wrote me off. I didn't write back. That's what they were saying after the game. They knew this was here. And it, to be honest, it took some freshmen, man. It took Dylan Dryland, Hunter Inslee. Uh, we saw the guys last night, Payne and all those guys. They hit multi-home runs. So you're seeing guys. And also, Jim, this really will be the last thing I say. You know what was back this weekend? The fur coat and the daddy hat. Everybody's most hated baseball team got their swagger back. <laughs> Don't let the balls get hot. And I love that it was Zane Ditton, IOTB guest, Alabama transfer to be the first one to rock it. That was what was up. And in a perfect segue about you talking about hanging out, getting to hang out with those guys, you know, obviously a certain uh, LSU beat writer. Um, there's only really one that does baseball. So everybody will know who I'm talking about without saying the name. Um, called me a fanboy because I hang out with these players and uh, you you saw exactly why I like hanging out with these guys it's, it's not like we we going out and like hitting the bar together but we hanging out on the baseball field talking talking the game and yo it, oh sorry I was gonna say we were at the softball game Saturday night guess who showed up at the softball game Christian Scott Christian Moore 
couldn't have been nicer. They recognized, you know, obviously they recognized me. We've been on the show before. Well, C. Scott got to spend some time with his dad and them. They were so kind and cool to the kids, took pictures. I put them all up. Look, we call us fanboys if you want to, but do we care about these kids? Of course we do. Of course we do. And it's not benefiting us. It's not a benefit. We just root for good, high-quality character kids. And Christian Scott is my favorite Tennessee baseball player. I said it to him. I'll say it to everybody on here. If that makes me a fanboy, Jim, call me so what you weird. want. And, and and what's great is you mentioned them going to the softball game. How many athletes we've talked about, that's one of their best – their favorite things they do is outside their own sport is going and watching other sports, especially when you go somewhere like Tennessee where the sports <laughs> are good across the board, right? Like pick a sport. Yeah, let's by go the way, watch it. run ruled Florida when we were there. <laughs> So, you know, with, with LSU, so, you know, uh, speaking of fanboy, my, my guy, Paul Skeens, uh, so, you know, coming to game one, all, all the controversy on him, you know, the showers comment, obviously, you know, a lot of context left out, but nonetheless, um, he, was, he was dominant, man. He had 11 Ks, but he made one crucial mistake, and I don't know why he made it. I asked him after the game, and he, he himself doesn't know why he did it. He threw Furnace, which is – which is an interesting story within itself because his dad is the all-time home runs leader at LSU. So kind of crazy and wild that Furnace would be the one to hit the home run. But, you know, he's got a, he's got a count in his favor, and he throws him a fastball elevated, a guy who fastball is what he's looking for, and he absolutely crushes it. But outside of that, Paul was Paul. It almost seems like that's becoming a kind of thing. Uh, Randy, he's making, you know, one or two mistakes a game, but he's not like, you know – Losing the game outright or whatever, but ask you know, a question about that. I did see somebody. I think it was probably Chris that said this that his fastball rate was over ninety percent. I mean, obviously his fastball is dominant, Jim. But if you're getting into later super regionals, regionals, Omaha, you think he's going to have to probably make that seventy-five to eighty percent mark? Well, the it was Chris, but it was the interesting because the week before he did that same rate with the slider to Kentucky. So if from week to week it's going different, so it's about mixing it up together as opposed to going heavy on one, right? And so, um, but nonetheless, I mean, you know, still K and eleven, only giving up three runs, and it was just that shot. But obviously, that gave them the lead, but. It's the story that we've talked about. It goes all the way back to a text message I sent to you while I was in Baton Rouge against Arkansas, and they walked Dylan Cruz to get the bases loaded to get Tommy White, and you said I'd do it too. And about five Starting seconds later, I, yeah, about five seconds later, I messaged you Grand Slam Tommy White. Well, Ole Miss went <laughs> with that same strategy, and Tanks did it again. Absolutely mashed it, Grand Slam. Um, and so. That's obviously how they get the win. The uh, Herring comes in after after uh, Skeens and absolutely does his thing, and and that's something the LSU bullpen needed. We needed the bullpen to show up and show that they could shut down a game. And so you get you get that first win, and then the second game, man, talk about needing something. You were talking about like Griffin Merritt needing something. Man, Ty Floyd, we know it. That's, that's our boy. He's been on the show. Nicest guy in the world, man. And, and you hate to see him struggle the way he has. Goes out there and pitches eight and a third. His only mistake was actually a three-run bomb to Alderman. It's kind of like him and Skeens kind of went the same formula. Except he went eight and a third, um, which is his career high. Had a career high eight strikeouts and absolutely, absolutely did his thing. And then um, <laughs> the guy on the other end. Finally, Dylan Cruz gets pitched to. And what does he do? Two bombs, including a grand slam. We also got a Beloso bomb in there. Beloso bass, Creole, B Creole Bambino, whatever you want to call it, man. 
Uh, and so, man, another good night. But then Sunday, man, it, it got rough. It, hey, Ole Miss showed, you know, we just had Jack on. Ole Miss showed that they got some fight, man. And um, honestly, if you if you asked me in the eighth inning to, to lay a bet, I would have told you, you know, I think Ole Miss is going to win this game. You know, like it just – it looked like um, they had took all the momentum. They're at home. The crowd was into it. And the unlikeliest of heroes, right? Like, I mean, you get the third string catcher and Hayden Trevinsky comes in there and just tees off. And then his comments afterward, just talking about how much fun he's had this year, just being a part of this team. And it's, it's you know, unusual to hear from a guy who is yeah. getting very little opportunities. And so for him to have that moment, be a part of this team, help them get their first sweep in the SEC of the year was, was absolutely great. Um, you know, obviously, uh, still some some bullpen issues would be my my biggest thing. Um, Tommy White got injured, but hit nothing big deal on Sunday. He'll be back. Um, but that that's still the biggest concern. But the good news is going forward, Randy, and obviously we'll do our picks later. Um, LSU has played the gauntlet of their schedule already, so Absolutely. going going down the stretch is a good chance to figure out some of those other guys. See see who's willing to step up. Um, Christian Little, hey, you know what? I didn't give him a shout out. Um, it's a guy who hadn't even been getting into the fifth frame. Um, going over five innings, only allowing um one run. So shout shout out to Christian for having a good performance. Uh, let me see it two weeks in a row, please. But let me ask you, moving to the another team, man. SEC or SEC SC man coming off, you know the losing the series to Vandy, but then just I mean, absolutely mauls Florida. We love to see it. And, and, you know, and I think about tie that to the Arkansas Georgia results. You know, I went and did the stats, man. Home teams are 77 and 48. Do you, I mean, those stats don't lie, Randy. There's got to be something to that, right? Because SC, when they're at home, you know, they got the best record. So, like, in Tennessee, actually, they got, I say that, I, I retract that. Them in Tennessee are tied for the best record right. anyway. And so, I mean, it's talk about home, home field advantage. Obviously, there's something to it, right? No, absolutely. For one, great stat that you pulled up, the, the road and home splits. And I think that if you're a team uh, like South Carolina, that really bodes well for you because you're going to host a regional. You're going to host a super regional more than likely. Um, but for a team like Tennessee, you're on the opposite end of that. You're probably not going to host at least a super regional uh, more than likely. So you got to figure something out. I think that when you think of, when you think about it, right, Tennessee – uh, coming back home, you just feel more comfortable, right? You sleep in your own bed. These guys are 18 to 22, 18, 21. So there, there is something to it, man. But I think that um, if you're South Carolina, just the credit to them, man. And obviously we had AJ on and some stuff before the season and he told us how, how good they were going to be. And obviously, um, you know, we kind of had some jokes with him in the beginning. He said they were going to be the best pitching staff and we've had on South Carolina pitchers and we weren't really buying that, but man, shout out to South Carolina. Cause it's not just their pitching staff. Yeah, and and Petrie, like if if it wasn't for Dylan Cruz, I mean, he, oh, yeah. he would be the he would be the front runner for SEC Player of the Year, undoubtedly. I agree, but if you think about it, you got Cags, Petrie, it, those two would probably be battling out. But you have the and I said this a long time ago, because several maybe a month ago, Dylan Cruz is the best baseball player, well, to probably ever play in the well, SEC, and I'm not. Not the, stat, the stat that I dropped on, on Twitter and, and the reason why I was trying to make my case is because they were throwing at me, you know, Ethan's stats. And the problem is he had 22 combined walks and hit by pitch, whereas Dylan had over 50. 
Dylan isn't getting the stats because he's not getting pitched to. The respect level is is ridiculous. So well, and that really says a lot about Dylan. Obviously, you spent a lot of time with him and everything. The 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 patience and the absolute to put, you know, his stats to the side. OBP, it's a great stat to look at if you're looking at analytics. But them dudes want batting average. His batting average is stupid high. I think it's over 500. Right? I mean. And his OBP is like 700. So. The fact that that dude is willing to take so many walks when you know how great of a hitter he is that doesn't swing at bad pitches just to me just makes him an even better prospect for the next level when they're not going to throw you strikes if they know you can hit it. He just doesn't swing at bad pitches, that, man. That was the advantage of the game three on Ole Miss, right? So Tommy White goes out after that first A-B. Well, Pearson slides into the four hole. Defensively, they're, they're fine. They maneuver guys around. But now – they the rest of that game they were able to to move around uh Cruz without having to worry about Tommy Tanks blowing them up afterwards. So that was a great advantage for them. I tell you, scared in that game because I know we moved on from LSU. I had message on real time, man. Trey Morgan got hit by one, and the way he he was grimacing and holding his arm afterward, um, I thought he got hit on the elbow, and then Chris ended up telling me he got hit on the wrist. It was just a bad view, uh, I guess, angle I had. But nonetheless, I could just tell the way he's holding his arm and grimacing. I was like. Man, we cannot have no more injuries. Like, please, no. no. Y'all been bit with the bug. But uh, so last thing to you know to ask you about, man. Um, you know, is is Arkansas like? Is that just a road thing, or is there some cause for concern? Because they, you know, we don't really put much in the midweeks, but then they turn around and you know lose the midweek too, and so that's that's four losses in a row for a team that looked like they were the most consistent. Even though even over South Carolina and LSU, they seem like the most consistent team, and then they drop four in a row. So are we concerned? Let me tell you something, man. Tennessee was Arkansas Super Bowl, man. That was it. That was the <laughs> pinnacle. Now, I, I I joke, obviously, obviously, Bomb's gonna listen to this, and I'm just kidding. I think that for Arkansas, I do, to be honest, I'm surprised that it took this long with all the injuries that Arkansas's had um, over the course of the season. We know about the arms that they've had, still not back at full strength. I think that you're right. Be going on the road, and that just shows you how deep the SEC is. Georgia's, you know, towards the bottom, but those guys can hit, and they're still a talented baseball team. And they came out there, and not only did they beat Arkansas, they had some comebacks in Arkansas. They really they played harder. They wanted it more, and that's just that that's the nature of the game. But to lose four in a row at this point, you know, we I know we joke with some guys the hot cold theory, but this is really not the time you want to start sliding backwards. This is the type of this part of the season where you want to start kind of figuring things out. And I think there is, I'm not going to say concern because I think they're still really talented. They have the ability to go on a streak, but this is not the time to lose three in a row to Georgia, my friends. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I have all the faith, you know, obviously we've had basically most of their pitching staff is uh guess uh, Brady will, you know, be back. Uh, I think he actually was cleared last weekend, but they never really had the opportunity to use right. them. Um, I expect Hunter Holland, Hagen Smith, to bounce back they really uh their biggest deal is they need somebody else to establish themselves mcintyre has been up and down but and then the lineup's kind of you know hot and not so they 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 need some consistency but i i don't have any worries about arkansas at the end of the day i was oh, just yeah. curious if you did so you know let's get into this week's slate and predictions man um obviously we got some sec contests but we got some big non-sec um, this one's interesting because talking about lack of consistency, Miami and Louisville, man, these two teams, one week they can look like a top 10 team. The next week they can look like a team don't belong in the top 25. So Miami's going to Louisville. Louisville just absolutely laid it to Kentucky last night. You know, who are you going with? I'm going with Louisville and for a couple reasons. For one, they're at home. You just talked about some splits. We didn't even go over Louisville's, but I bet it looks similar. 
They're at home, and Miami's fraud you. We said it on the show a hundred times. <laughs> and, and and for that reason, I, you know, even in the series when Miami's gotten hot a couple times, and then uh, I've I've picked against them for that reason, and they've usually made out for both of us because they'll they'll end up dropping the ball. They always still do that. So I, I'm with you. This next one, I didn't really have to put it on here, but you know. I'm hoping that some of our listeners will listen and uh and, and hear us both pick this and uh Mississippi State at a uh, at Tennessee. Uh, let me tell you something, Jim. A uh, couple weeks ago, you and I, you know, our our friend Lounge Dog was on there and he was really laying it to Tennessee. He said these are just two teams going in different directions. After Mississippi State wins uh, a series against Ole Miss, they, they I think they won a series against Alabama maybe the, the week prior. And then all of a sudden they go to Auburn. Lounge actually goes on the road and they drop two out of three to Auburn. Tennessee sweeps Vanderbilt in dominating fashion. You now can't be putting coming. up 11 runs. I think they even yeah. had like a seven, eight run lead at some point. They did. They did. You can't look and no, no, no hate on Mississippi State, right? We're fans of a lot of the players. I get all that. But you said that we were going in different directions. And my friend Lounge, you are right. We're going in different directions <laughs> because we just swept Vanderbilt. The team you said was going to win the East, they're not in first place in the East no more, thanks to us. And now you coming up there, and you're going to get the same taste that you got last year in the dude. It might even be something like 27-2 to again, Jim. Mm. We're going mm. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But don't worry, Lounge. You guys are still going to have the stadium. It's huge. Y'all feed them better because we ain't feeding you guys after we put the whooping on you. Yeah, that uh, and their Friday right now is TBD. So I don't even know who they're who they're going to be throwing. Which if you know, you know who yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, and that may be why that's like that. I hate you know with the Mississippi State audience we got, with the friends we got, the players that we've had. I hate to do it, but we just did the home and away splits. We just saw what Mississippi State did against Auburn and what Tennessee is, Mandy. And so there's no reason for me not to pick Tennessee. Like, Mississippi State really just needs to hope to come out of there with a game, if, if they're being realistic. Agreed. And so, you know what, with that, I'm going to get – just because I'm I'm hoping that – because I don't want the world to end for the Mississippi State fan base. I don't want to lose all our friends on Twitter. I hope y'all get a win in there. Maybe it'll be my boy Cade Smith on, on the first game and then Tennessee does their thing the next two, but I'm not optimistic about any of it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Sweep. So, two teams that are not going different directions. They're actually going the same direction, backwards. Um both were in the top 25, both were doing well, and now are kind of falling apart. So the question is, who gets it together this weekend? Texas at TCU, who you got? I think that you're right. TCU is going in, in the backwards direction, but I've seen some things that really caused me to say, you know, what they could get it together. Obviously, um, they're, you know, they got a lot of talent. On it. So does Texas. But for Texas to, to Oklahoma, bro, come on now. At TCU, I'm going TCU. I think it's going to be two games to one. I'm with you all the way. Um, you know, our guest Trey Richardson, man, he's uh he's still been doing his thing both offensively and defensively. But I like them at home, and they got a good uh midweek. You know, I don't put much in the midweeks, but when you do have uh uh you're playing a team that's in the top twenty, you do want to get that. So they did get that to build coming into the weekend, getting the win last night. So um, I I do like TCU as well. The next one, once again, kind of like Mississippi State at Tennessee, we didn't have to talk about. But Bama at LSU, basically, I'll just ask you like this. Is Bama getting a game, Randy? I don't think so. I think, for one, LSU is pissed off. You don't put a lot of stock into the midweek, but everything that you and I have been reading on Twitter 
about Nickel State getting that win. They're, those guys read that too. We talk to these guys; they see it. We just heard Jack talk about the fire Bianco stuff on Twitter. They read it, so they're going to be coming out with a full squad, looking to prove a point. And you and I said Alabama would finish last in the SEC West, and that's got to come to fruition, Jim. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm hoping for. We don't we don't have the pick for this one on here, but Ole Miss Georgia, I, I'm hoping because especially when we're talking about them home away splits. Georgia's coming to Ole Miss. I'm hoping Ole Miss gets a sweep of Georgia, and then I'm hoping Bama gets swept by LSU, and then they will find themselves down there at the bottom. Well, I don't know. If y'all take care of Mississippi State, <laughs> they'll yeah. be right. But Bama will be a little bit closer to our, right. to our prediction. Mississippi State's going to have to find some wins somewhere along the way to make sure that uh, Alabama can hold a spot down there. But, yeah, I think it's a sweep. Um, you know, I felt really good about Christian Little last weekend and the bullpen is starting to get healthy. Um, so and then I, I'm I'm really confident. I think Ty Floyd, that's gonna that no different than you were talking about though. I think having a really good game um is just gonna give momentum, especially going back home to Baton Rouge. Um, this one's interesting, man. All right. Kentucky at Vandy. I still don't know. If Kentucky's, I mean, they look pretty decent in the LSU series. I still don't know if they're any good, Randy. I do know that our next guest is from Kentucky, and we hate Vandy. So for that reason, I would really love Kentucky to win. But my question to you is, are they? I'm going to pick Kentucky to win. I am. I'm going to tell you why. Vanderbilt, you know, you see it live. They seem to not be able to handle when other teams are chirping. LSU handled Kentucky chirping very well. They chirp back. They did the bat flip. They talked their ish. Kentucky talks. They chirp. They celebrate. Vandy gets in their feels. Peabody Corbin gets all angry and stomps around. I think Kentucky is winning this series. I really do. And I don't think they're more talented. I don't think they're a better team, but they're winning. Oh, man. In that crackerjack ass stadium in Nashville. Peabody Corbin. I love it. You know what? I, I'm with you. Let's let's get it done, man. I even pray for a sweep. We we man, we'll have Hunter Gilliam on here to talk about it, and we can trash on Vandy some more. And we don't have any. We don't have much of Vandy audience, so we won't be losing many listeners. We'll be nobody right. has a Vandy audience. Even the door report. <laughs> even Omaha when I was there in 2021, <laughs> they had like 12 fans. All right, so man, this one's crazy. I never thought we would be talking about this, right? But Duke is like one of the biggest surprises in college baseball. Do they stay red hot, man? Against a Virginia team who's been very up and down. So they're going to Virginia though. Duke and Virginia, who you got? Man, I've gone, I've, I've, I've flip flopped on this one so much, and I just, it's, it's probably a lazy take. But I'm going Virginia just because I think they have a little bit, a little bit better arms, and they're at home. I think that, you know, the guys that you don't expect to perform, perform better there. I'm giving Virginia a 2-1. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Virginia because, like, ironically, when I've looked at – I looked at their schedule prior to this, and the games that they've lost have actually not been to the good opponents. They they lose to bad teams. It's almost like they play up to their competition level. And so. they've been smoking good teams. Right. So I feel like Duke coming in here now as a as a you know top 25 ranked team. I think they're even a top 20 ranked team in the polls. Anyway, a lot of people talking about them. I think Virginia's gonna get hyped up and I think they're gonna take care of business. Um, the, this last one, man, it's not a surprise. It's, it, it just took Arizona state in our, in mine and yours original poll, both of us, both of us originally had Arizona state in the top 25. Um, they started off the season very slow, kind of fell off. Oregon has kind of bounced in and out of my top 25, I believe yours as well. Um, you know, one week that 
they they definitely are a model for inconsistency. But Arizona State's gotten hot. Oregon ends has has you know kind of turned a corner. Um, it's at Oregon, which you know talking to LSU guys, it's a it's a tough environment. So you yeah. know who you got? Oh man, you know what? I'm going Arizona State, man. I'm going Arizona State for the road. I guess it is that really an upset? I don't know. I think both of these teams are pretty evenly matched. And, you know, the Pac-12, they got some good squads out there. I'm going to Arizona State and maybe a slight upset. Yeah, and the thing is, you, you're talking about some good good teams, you know, just overall, not even just in this pick, man. It's wide open, right? We thought it was like Stanford's just going to run away with this thing, right? Like, there's six teams that, that can win the Pac-12. Like, it's it's not what we thought it was. And Arizona State and Oregon are, are two of them. Oregon State's obviously – in the mix and so you know ucla is is solid so it, it's a it, you know it's a pretty wide open conference to be taken i'm gonna go opposite you just because we've picked the same on every pick and that's not what we do here so we gotta be different somewhere so give me those ducks and their fresh ass uniforms uh they are to, fresh to, yeah man they are so so give me that to take you down but other than that is there anything we miss when it comes to college baseball i mean i feel i feel like we've we've hit on everything um, I do. I, you know what? I would be remiss if I didn't shout out Brock Wilkin, your yeah, new wake, your new wake forest home run leader, 59 bombs, man. They did a, they did a video, man. If, if, if y'all just care about baseball in general, we talk about grow the game, go to wake forest baseball page. They did a tribute from his first home run to his 59th home run. Um, man, it, it's really, it's really cool. And, and my favorite part probably was, uh, was, uh, shared by Steven shop. Did you see it? Uh, Minachi, the closer, ran out there as fast as he could to retrieve that ball for Brock. Uh, out love. to the woods to get it. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, I said, find you a friend like Minachi is Brock because that man went. That man went and found his ball for him and, and and got it for him. So that was pretty cool. But man, shout out to him. Fifty nine bombs, man, and going like this season. This season's still young. So like he, psh, I, I'm looking. I'm looking for seventy from our guy Brock. We call it the end off the bench effect here, Jim. And, um, and, and, you know, since, and since LSU lost to Nichols, I mean, no matter what happens, weekend, I'm putting Wake at number one just so people will – Yeah. You know, of course, that will end up being a problem for somebody, I'm sure. Oh, LSU fans are going to be mad at you. But listen, <laughs> mine's not about college uh, baseball, but it is about college softball. You know, I went up there, went to a Tennessee softball game, got to see them run real Florida in a top 25 matchup. So Tennessee sweeps Florida. They were down 9-1 to one Sunday, came back, won that game, uh, so Ashley Rogers, Kiki Malloy, both are candidates for college softball player of the year. I heard a lot of smack talk, believe it or not, in my mentions about Skylar Wallace for Florida, who is a great player, how she's the runaway player of the year. And then her team got swept and they say, well, it's not a, it's not an individual. It's a team award. Nah, bruh. If your team gets swept and Ashley Rogers is striking out Skylar Wallace to win the game. Nah. <laughs> it is what it is. So Tennessee now is 36 and five, Jim. They're up to number three in the polls behind only Oklahoma and UCLA. And we all know about Oklahoma, but give me that sooner smoke. I think this Tennessee team has the ability and they have a good chance at winning the whole thing this year. Yeah. Tennessee's an everything school. Uh, I got two softball notes, you know, shout out uh, to Mississippi state LSU this past weekend. LSU obviously took care of business, but, uh, Bring in autism awareness. Um, it's been continued this month, but they were wearing the uh the teal jerseys, um, or aqua jerseys. The whole SEC was. Were they okay? Yeah, cool. Tennessee was too. Yeah. So man, all right. So shout shout out to all of them, and then man, um, 
you know, I got sent this uh, because, you know, people know we're all about trying to grow the game. Lauren Krings from Missouri, man. Um, she threw a no-hitter with 17 strikeouts uh, against North Texas. So, um, hey, you know, I don't know how good Missouri is. I don't know how good North Texas is. But I know that a no-hitter and 17 strikeouts is badass. So, shout-out to her getting it done. Shout-out. All right. But with that, man, obviously, uh, we want to wish the best to to Daniel. You know, obviously, uh, just had his baby. Him and Michelle um, wish them the best for those who do listen. Um you know, just keep them in your prayers, you know, obviously, uh, you know, having, having a newborn and all the concerns that come with it, but our man will be back here soon. Me and Randy will hold down the fort in the meantime, but if you like hearing Jack's story or you just like hearing Average Joe's talk X's and O's, please like and share on Facebook, retweet us on Twitter, listen and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Anchor. Comments, ratings, feedback are always welcome. We'll see everyone back Monday night. As we were just talking about, man, Kentucky baseball with Hunter Gilliam. In the meantime, remember, strong bodies, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We out.